Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, let's go Acts chapter 16 today. We're in this series that we're calling For the City. And the vision of this series is in the middle of this summer as the temptation is to have our eyes on us in the middle of what we're going through in the world, uh, that we would have our eyes on others. And so we entitled it For the City because the dream is is that we would see a move of God here in Kansas City. And we've been looking uh, at different themes in Acts And so uh, we start off the summer talking about the power of God. So we talked out of Acts chapter one, where uh, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We talked about the power of God and us walking with supernatural power here and now in our city. And then we talked about unity, talked out of Acts chapter two and the early church that was marked by unity. And we talked a little bit about our church and the church of Jesus Christ walking in unity. Then we spent a week on boldness out of Acts chapter four. Boldness marked the early church. It's a theme all throughout Acts. And then we spent some time uh, a week talking about witnesses. A witness is someone who talks about what they've seen and what they've heard. And of course, the first century church was a witnessing church. And we talked about each one of us seeing more, hearing more, that we might say more. We talked about being a, a, a witnessing church. And then last week, we talked about obedience. And we told the story of Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and how he heard and obeyed and how he was just a disciple in Damascus that said yes. We talked about making yeses, saying yeses, giving our yeses after our original, our big yes at salvation, and then continuing to say yes over and over and over again. And today, I want to go after Acts chapter 16, where we have the story of Paul and Silas and they're walking with joy while suffering in a prison cell, or they're praising while in prison. There is a supernatural work of God inside of them where they are rejoicing. And actually, it ends the text with the jailer possessing joy as a result of God at work in this text. And so it's actually a lot of verses, 18 verses we're going to read today. And so get ready. Here we go. Hold your breath. Let's go after this 18 verses, and then I'm going to pray. You don't really have to hold your breath. All right. And uh, we'll go after it. But I do want to encourage you, if you can, both online and in the room. Right now, uh, just because of the mask reality, we've got like a little bit like less verbal. That's good. Amen. All right. And so I'm just going to invite you to go ahead and be vocal. If you don't want to scream in a mask, just like, what's up? Like raised hands. Let's just take out of the energy just a little bit. Not because you need it, but because I enjoy it because I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And to me, I just love a party. And so if I could just have a little more party in the middle of this, I'm just not. I, I grew up where we didn't talk in church, but. I like a church where we talk back a little bit. And so uh, don't cuss me out, but feel free to say amen, all right? (laughs) All right, Acts chapter 16, here we go. Uh, Once, when they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul. I'm going to give you just a few different ideas. There's seven different things I want you to see here. 
Look at the way that they treated Paul and Silas. When the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized, number one, Paul and Silas, and two, they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, number three, and beaten with rods. So stripped, beaten, and after they had been severely flogged or whipped. So there's another one. Now they've been flogged. They were now thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying in and singing hymns to God. Yeah, I got an amen. That was the best one yet. I'm, I, I can keep going to verse 26 now. And the other prisoners were listening to them. That's a great phrase. Another amen right there. The other prisoners were listening to him. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in, and here it is, name of Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, which that had just happened to Paul in Acts 9, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. So they'd been bloodied and now he's washing their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house. Now they're in the jailer's house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with, big word, joy, because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So our message title today is this, Singing Through Suffering, Father in Jesus' Name, We ask, Lord God, that you put a song in our heart today. I pray for every person that feels like they're suffering, feels like they're in prison, feels like their feet are in stocks, feels like they're bloodied and beaten, feels like earthly circumstance has beaten them up a bit, feels tired. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a supernatural work and that we would see God at work in Paul and Silas. And that we, Lord Jesus, would today in our present tense reality be inspired by this story and walk in supernatural joy. I thank you for each person. We ask that you be at work in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Uh, Renata and I took our four kids to Disney World, which if you don't know, Disney World is marketed as the happiest place on earth. And... uh, and we loved it. And so if, if, if that makes you sad, uh, I'm sorry, but we loved it. Uh, we, uh, I've got stories of Disneyland from my childhood that I won't tell, but some great stories uh, from, from being an adult, taking my kids to Disney World, and we loved it. And at the end, there was a fireworks show, Disney World, and everybody's like right by each other. And so it is like something you can't remember. It's like back in the olden era. It's like black and white in your memory back when you were less than six feet from somebody. But anyway, and so so we were like smashed up against people looking at fireworks, some music going. We're drinking Starbucks. It's amazing. Just had to add that last one. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was, our kids are, are loving it. It was, it, was, it was amazing. 
And they end, and right when it ends, it's like you've just finished the most incredible fun day, the most expensive day of your life. And, and, and you're just fostering in the moment. You're just hanging out right there, except for, for some reason in that moment, there, a crowd of people like decided that they wanted to, some people wanted to get to their car. Some people wanted to try to get in one more ride. And so though Renata and I expected, we would just, you know, just Tinkerbell and lights and then, and then uh, ta-da. Instead, the, the crowd started to want to move and go crazy and get to their space. And there was a lady next to us that wanted to go somewhere and she had a stroller with a child, baby, in the stroller. And this is no exaggeration. This is no joke. You can ask my children to verify the story. This lady starts, because she wants to move, she wants Renata to move. And I want to just argue that I think Renata's probably the nicest person on the planet. Uh, Some of you might say Paul Barker. I'll go with Renata. But yeah, I mean, you picture the nicest person you're on the planet. That's Renata. I mean, just, I mean, smiley, nice, sweet. I mean, just, and this, this mom with her baby in her, the stroller starts ramming Renata's. I mean, with the stroller, just bam, bam. And Renata looks at her and she's wanting Renata to move. And she's just angry, just, and she's ramming Renata with the stroller. And so then I did what any great, you know, man of God pastor would do. I just, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought about it. Anyway, I mean, and I, and, and I literally, I, I was just had the thought, here we are, happiest place on earth. Circumstance has got to be right. I mean, everybody is fireworks and rides. And I mean, you're, you're paying a lot of money to be happy right now. And, and this lady is irate. It's just angry, is so mad. She's going to just take a stroller and ram Renata's ankles. And uh, I was just juxtaposing that, thinking about that outward circumstance. Amazing, incredible. And yet (laughs) anger, I mean, just close to rage. And I was thinking about that versus this other lady, 2001. I went with a bunch of guys down to Mexico and we flew into Tampico. And then we spent a couple weeks up in the mountains of Mexico and missionary family that had been there for years, raising four kids, mid-30s, and they're raising their children up in the mountains of Mexico. And he's going to start house churches all around the mountain. And, and so he would take us to a, three or four different uh, house churches uh, each day. And so we were, I mean, we're hot. We went in June, super hot. And we're going to these different places and And we actually slept on the floor of their house, but at their house, they didn't have running water. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have air conditioning. And, and I'll just never forget just, there's a lot of different pieces to the trip that was interesting to me. But one of the fun ones was just to see, I was early twenties, was just to see them, this missionary's wife. And she would each day be sweeping out the house while singing worship songs. And just happy. So, so I'm talking like, I mean, zero electricity, zero running water. They had multiple stories of challenging situations with sick children. And yet the culture of the house was spiritually vibrant with joy. I mean, just, she was just alive. And so she told stories about her husband coming home after hiking all day or riding uh, his motorcycle to go in and out of these houses, in and out of these little towns where he had planted churches. And, 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 and she would just sing and, and she, would, she would sweep the house 
And she would sing as she would sweep, I mean, every day. And, and I just was just thinking about circumstance. And you got two different realities. You got one that's in great external circumstance, and yet she's like a stroller rammer. And then you've got this other one who's really in a hard circumstance, and she's a singing sweeper. And yet the difference is not, it has nothing to do with circumstance. It had everything to do with an internal strength. It had everything to do with what was going on in the inside. Mark Batterson talks about a study that was done at Northwestern University where uh, the happiness level of Olympic medal winners, they were trying to measure. And so it was a big study. And according to the study, people that had won bronze were in general happier than those who had medaled silver. Because the bronze medal winners were just, thank God I medaled. And the silver were thinking, I barely missed gold. One person. And it was an issue of focus. So actually, obviously, silver is better than bronze. But the bronze people were happier because of where their focus was. It's an intriguing idea. Because when we worship, it opens up to our, our perspective to change. You got Paul and Silas singing in the prison cell, praise in prison, when they're awful circumstance. And you just read this. I mean, you just read their circumstance and you got, they were, number one, they were seized. I don't like if somebody does that to me. Two, dragged. Not sure that's ever happened other than junior high. Number three, stripped. Never happened before. I got to stop making jokes. I'm talking about suffering. Sorry. Fourth one, can't make a joke. Beaten with rods, severely flogged, thrown into prison, And then this interesting one, their feet fastened into the stocks by the jailer. (laughs) I'm just thinking, that's a bad day. That's that's, That's a lot of different ways that you could become angry. That's a lot of different ways that you could become pretty ticked. Like some people get into that position. So stocks, that would be like wooden stocks where they would, that means they would like stick their, their feet through and, and so they can't move. So it's in the inner cell. So it's dark. And it's actually the text here says that it's the jailer that put him in there. So you've got potential to be angry. At a lot of people, you got potential to be angry at God. Oh God, how dare you? And da, 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 da. And I can't believe. And, and you got potential to be angry at the jailer. You got potential to be angry at the the people that accuse you, the people that seize you, the people that flogged you, the people that beat you with rods. There's a lot of people you can be mad at. And, and, and I think if I was, I was trying to put myself in this situation, what would we do? I mean, we're far from thinking about singing. We're just thanking God if we're not swearing, right? Like, we're just like, we can't, I, maybe you can't, I can't. I was trying to put myself in that position and it is so much more suffering than I've ever experienced. It was almost impossible for me to imagine. Bloodied, in the dark, accused, beaten with rods, whipped. I mean, I don't know if you're like in such physical pain that all you think about is the physical pain. I don't know if you're mad at God because God, I just gave you my yes. You called me. You told me to go be a witness. I just did what you said. And now I'm barely still alive. I'm in such physical pain. 
I, I, I literally, I don't know. I don't know if maybe you're looking at like, hey, I was proclaiming Lydia just gotten saved. We had just cast out the demon out of that slave girl. And sh- I mean, God, you were at work there. And my momentum has slowed down. There's a whole lot of ang- angles where you could become bitter, angry, frustrated. And so it's bizarre to read this story where at midnight, they're singing hymns, praise, and prayer. And before they ever get the miracle at midnight, you've got praise, hymns, worship. I was just thinking about the song at midnight, the song in the night, the song in the hard time, the song in the misery, the song, the singing, the proclaiming in the middle of the hardest moment of your life. Psalm 42, eight says, by day, the Lord directs his love at night. His song is with me. How do I get that song in me? How, how, How do we get the song of the Lord in us? How do we get to where we sing when we're suffering? How do we even get close to that? Because I, I mean, I'm a pastor and I was thinking, I mean, when I'm honestly just reading the text. I'm just, I'm going, I don't, God, I, I, was, I was wanting to preach this today and I was thinking, is this even possible? Because my, my, I mean, my, my life is so much easier than this. I, I don't, like if I'm gonna say it, I wanna be able to live it, but I can't fathom this. I mean, just to be blunt, I, I, I can't even picture this. And so I'm thinking about how on earth does Saul, that becomes Paul, actually sing at midnight? I mean, before midnight, how, how do you get there? And how do you sing in the suffering? I, I see a few things. It, the jailer comes out and the jailer, after the earthquake, the jailer goes, tell me more. And he goes, who, how do I be saved? And I found just a few thoughts in in Paul quickly talking about Jesus. Because Paul's the one who quickly just begins to talk about Jesus, I mean, quickly on his lips. So undoubtedly, Paul, who's talking about Jesus, has his story where he had just been saved. And here's the jailer saying, how do I be saved? And so Paul's going, let me tell you, Jesus just saved me. And back in Acts chapter nine, we have the moment where Jesus appears to him. Acts 26 tells us that he appears to him brighter than the sun. So Paul's got this moment where, well, Jesus is my story. Let me, let me tell you. And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given the story of Jesus. And so Paul's going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim the good news of the gospel. It's not my strength that causes me to sing in the midst of suffering. Jesus has done something in me. And, and he's able to sing He's able to rejoice because he's able to remember what Jesus has done for him. When you're able to remember, have Jesus on your tongue, yeah, that moment where Ananias shows up and says, let me pray for you, and you've got this Jesus story. I think that a part of why Paul in that moment can sing is because of the memory of what Jesus has done for him, and he's talking about Jesus from the moment the jailer comes out and says, tell me. And then I was also thinking about not just salvation, but also Ananias had spoken to him straight from Jesus' lips that Paul had a purpose. I want Paul to know that he's gonna take the gospel to the Gentile world. We read that in Acts 9 last week. I was just thinking about, okay, so if I'm in this moment and I'm saved, 
And we know that Paul later is going to write the Philippians. And so this actual whole account is in Philippi. And so 10 years later, he's going to write to the church that he's starting right now. Lydia's getting saved. Lydia, it's going to start in her, you know, with probably most commentators think it's probably getting started with Lydia and just the people that are getting saved right here. And church is getting started. And in Philippians, he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So he's got this mentality of, it's better for me to keep living for your sake. So he's got his eyes on Jesus. And then he's got his eyes on, I've got my, my focus on other people because I want to finish the ministry that God has for me. So it's, it's Jesus' story and then, and then my purpose. And that's, that's what he says. I mean, he's got this, you, I mean, the, Jesus actually said, I want him to take the gospel to the Gentile world. I just think about us, Jesus on our lips, our gospel story that day where Jesus called your name. Same way that he said, Paul, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said his name. And even when he goes to Ananias, Jesus says Ananias' name. And I just wondered if we had Jesus' name on our tongue because Jesus called us and we remember the moment where he called you personally. Sometimes it's easy for me to think, okay, I just got saved in a herd of people at youth camp and it's just, you know, but when you think about I was once dead and now I am alive in Christ and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I once was, I was, once was dead and then Jesus saved me and his name is on my tongue and he called me and he knew me personally and he saved me personally and I've met him. And not only that, but then he gave me purpose. And so for Paul, he told me to go to the Gentile world, but he's given me a purpose in my life. I, I, actually, there's something that I'm called to do. Then maybe when I go through suffering, I'm not checking out ticked at God or ticked at others and ready to peace out. I've got the capacity to praise in the prison. I've got the capacity to sing while suffering because, because I was even warned. And, and Paul was even warned, right? Like Jesus said that to Ananias. I, I want you to go. There's a man named Saul. And in Acts 9, we read, suffering is in his future. I want him to know there's suffering he's going to do. He's going to experience because of his purpose. And for us, it's so foreign. But what if today you're encouraged by the fact that Jesus saved you and then Jesus has given you a purpose and suffering is actually a part of what we're told is gonna to happen as we step into our callings and our purposes. But we're shocked when we suffer. I am I'm just being real. Like, when I suffer, it's hard to go, thank you, God, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. My temptation is to be like, oh, for the love, what's the deal? It's me, your favorite ones. David, hello. <laughs> right? I mean, do you do that? I'm like, other people can suffer but me. I mean, come on, God, we're tight, right? And then you just start listing your resume of good things you've done. <laughs> me suffer? But Paul talked that way. And Paul, when he wrote in Philippians, he actually said in Philippians 1 to the church that he started where this story is that we're reading from, this, this jail in Philippi. He said, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Oh, oh. Welcome to church, everybody. <laughs> I didn't say that. Paul said that. Wait, what? I thought I just prayed a prayer at the end of a broadcast on TV and it was over. No, no, no. You say yes to Jesus, not only to believe in him, but it's also, in fact, when, when Paul is talking to young Timothy, second Timothy, it's the very last 
letter that Paul writes, he says to him, like I was thinking about the invitation that I had from professors and I'm going to be silly here, but I had professors that told me how great their denomination was and tried to woo me with airplane rides. Come join. It's going to be great. Come, come. Yeah. Let me tell you about how great it's going to be. I mean, I'm remembering the, you know, the old people, the 43-year-olds when I was 21, <laughs> inviting me into their seminary. And I have, I have three different memories of three different options I had on the table. And all three were wooing me according to opportunity, how nice the buildings are, et cetera. And here's Paul wooing young Timothy. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying... <laughs> That's different than America. (laughs) We don't do that. Can you imagine? It's like the subtitle of a cemetery. Of a cemetery. Oops, I said that. Of a seminary. I meant to say seminary. Of a seminary. Join with me in suffering. I mean, I'm just saying. It was in Paul's grid. It's, It's challenging. So my point is Paul, as his feet are going into the stocks, as he's being accused, as he's stripped down and beaten with rods, There's a warning he's already known about. Jesus told him. He told, Jesus told Ananias, Ananias, Cascade, you've got a calling to suffer for Christ. And I just think maybe we'd we'd be a little bit better when we face suffering if we actually believe that's part of our calling too. Like that's part of your calling. No, 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 David. You can keep that part and you can do a Philippians message and all right, but me, no, you and me. Us. This is a theme all throughout Acts. This is a theme that Paul talks about all throughout his letters. It's extremely common because deeply embedded in him was this evidence of Christ at work by in the moment that you suffer, you rejoice. In the moment that you go through hardship because of proclamation, you're singing. Great is thy faithfulness. I'll worship you. I love you. God, you're good. So practically speaking, what, what, what can we do? Like, how do we live this? And there's a few ideas. First one is this. When, when Paul is locked, feet in stocks, stripped, bloodied in the dark, singing praise songs, just plain and simple, the only way that you're able to sing praise songs in suffering, he had to have it memorized. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you, there were no screens in prison. It wasn't the 1980s. There was no overhead projectors. It wasn't the 1950s. There were no hymnals. I don't know what you did before that, but there was no way to read the words. It was just in his heart. And I'm just telling you, one of the best things you can do is memorize the song of God, the Psalms of God, the word of God. Get it in your heart before the suffering. You know, like when you're just in the, you can sing it at midnight when you've been memorizing it in the daytime. And right now, in some ways, everybody, and everybody's, there's some people that this is a, 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 I'm not trying to like put everybody that this pandemic is the same. I know everybody's different, but in some ways we're in a challenging time. And, and it's that moment where, when things are good, and when I say good, I mean, it's, you're not in the level of suffering that you just go, I'm gonna get the song of God inside of me. 
So if I'm gonna sing Psalm 42 at midnight, get that song in the night, I've memorized it. I've got the word of God in me. So I wanna encourage you straight up. The way that we do that, how do we do that? I think we do that by what Alexa or Siri plays in the day, what, what our intake is. Honestly, even when we come in here and we proclaim on Sunday so that we can, we can walk through whatever we walk through, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I was also thinking about not just that it was memorized, but also it was in the moment of what I would guess would be Paul's highest level of pain, meaning emotionally accused, physically beaten, bloodied, whipped, probably dark where he can't see. It's in the darkest, the actual moment that he sings in the moment. I just wanna invite you to just, in the actual moment. What we often do is in the actual moment, we've got justification. I'm just gonna be ticked, I'm just gonna. We don't usually sing in our suffering, we swear in our suffering. And then we think I'll sing on Sunday or I'll sing tomorrow morning. Well, of course I'm swearing. I'm, Renata's standing in front of me and I'm trying to get to Tomorrowland. <laughs> right? Like we're like, I got a justification. I got some reason. But in that moment, I'm gonna sing. I've got it in my heart. Songs are already in me. I'm gonna declare it in the actual moment of suffering, in the actual moment of your pain, which might be today. You might be here today and be thinking that's where I'm at. And the third one is just this, that Saul's doing it publicly. He's doing it with all these other prisoners all around him. And sometimes I, I believe that your faith is personal, but it's not private. We are the Church of Jesus Christ in Kansas City in 2020. And there's a greatness where Paul, with all the prisoners, Acts 16 says, the other prisoners heard him, where you stand in the congregation and you just declare. I don't declare because my circumstances are good or because my circumstances are, are bad. I sing because he's worthy and he is God. And what happens is, is then emotions can start to catch up with convictions and you start to just be able to say, ah. and you sing that hymn in the congregation, proclamation, I'm gonna sing it. And today, I just want us as a response to Acts 16, in the middle of whatever circumstance you're in, to just join me. Normally I pray for you at this moment, but I want us just to sing a song together. And so if you can, whatever you're walking through, will you just stand with me and let's sing together? All right, can we declare this together?